0: Irish Cream Cold Brew with Cold Foam now at Tim Hortons or try Cold Foam on any of your Tim Hortons favorites. Modification sex for a limited time at participating risk locations. Companies that set out to change the world should stand for something. Something that matters. For Tanium, it was managing and protecting the world's growing number of endpoints. Tanium empowers organizations to embrace digital transformation and change the way people both work and live. They help critical government agencies see what's coming protect and defend five branches of the U.S. military, and more than half of the Fortune 100 rely on Tanium to manage and secure their critical assets. To learn more, visit Tanium.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media,
2: Welcome to The Science of Magic, a program combining the science and magic of today's leading topics to co create new solutions and promote evolutionary thinking. We're coming to you through the leader in responsible paranormal and alternative science programming, the Exone Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, and can also be found on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. I'm your host, Wilda Wiecka. This hour we'll be exploring the Forgotten Circle. One thing all shamanic practices have in common is earth connection. To one degree or another, they also honor stellar connection and the balance to be maintained between heaven and earth. This hour, we'll be working with the science and the magic of earth connection. To a one, my many shamanic teachers taught the importance of honoring the earth in all of our relations. They saw illness as a result of stepping out of the circle of life thereby dishonoring the connectedness and interrelatedness of all things. While it was understood we must take life to live, be it a rabbit, a deer, an herb, wood for a fire, or water from the stream, life was taken with ceremony, honor, balance, and gratitude. In shamanic societies, great care was taken to walk in a good way among our relations. Humans were seen as stewards of the earth, responsible for maintaining balance and harmony. Nothing was taken without something being given in return, looking around me, I despair as how far we've fallen from those simple principles and the results of our folly. The circle of life has been forgotten. we become an isolated, narcissistic, and sick society. Everything except for humanity is part of the whole, yet we grow out of control like a malignant tumor, threatening the very earth we live on and all of our relations. No better than parasites, we take much and leave nothing but toxic waste. We've so distorted our environment with imbalanced living that we're poisoning ourselves and everything around us. Yet, there is hope if we wake up in time. The circle of life is forgotten, but not lost. Life still holds universal truth and balance from the quantum level to the universe and beyond. The innate intelligence of life is still there, ready and available to embrace us once again as beloved relations. The blueprint for health, vitality, abundance, and joy imbues everything around us. We have but to recalibrate to the earth and her frequency. We cannot hope to go back to indigenous ways, but we can create new ways that still honor all of our relations. As the host of the Science of Magic Radio, I have the honor and privilege of sharing information with amazing practitioners of both the sciences and magic. Through this process, I've gained new knowledge and hope for our future. Life is powered by a mystical yet logical force that's much greater than the folly of our ways. I've come to see not only possibility but remarkable likelihood of developing amazing scientific and magical solutions to our current dilemmas. Learn from yesterday. Live for today. Hope for tomorrow. The important thing is to not stop asking. Albert Einstein. We can once again become stewards of our relations rather than conquerors and destroyers of all in our path. We can once again walk in a good way as one with all of our relations. We need only ask the right questions, take the right action, and believe in the magic of life. Our guest this hour, Robin Rose Bennett, is the founder of Wise Woman Healing Ways, Herbal Medicine, and Earth Spirit Teachings. She's a gifted herbalist, writer, spiritual teacher. Robin Rose shares herbal medicine with gratitude for the loving generosity of the plants and the magic and mystery and beauty of life. She's taught at hospitals, community centers, women's shelters, holistic conferences, and most joyously, outside with the plants. She's a faculty member of the Arbor Vitae School of Traditional Herbalism and the New York Open Center. Robin is the guest lecturer at colleges and universities, medical schools, and teaching hospitals. Robin Rose is the author of Healing Magic, a Green Witch Guidebook to Conscious Living, 10th Anniversary Edition, and The Gift of Healing, Herbs, Plants, Medicinal Home Remedies for a Vibrant and Healthy Life. After this commercial break, I'll introduce Robin, and together we'll explore plant medicine, magic, the forgotten cycle, and conscious living. You're listening to The Science of Magic, thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. I'm your host, Gwelda Wiyaka. We're living in exciting and unprecedented times. As we enter a new era, we're being given the chance to embrace unity. In times of unity, seemingly opposing forces—science and magic, the old and the new, spirit and the mundane—can unite to create innovative solutions to seemingly insurmountable problems. With us this hour to explore the topic is Robin Rose Bennett, author of Healing Magic, a Green Witch, book guide to conscious living, and The Gift of Healing: Herbs, Plants, Medicines, and Home Remedies for a Vibrant, Healthy Life. Her website is robinrosebennett.com. Robin, thank you so much for joining us on the Science of Magic.
3: I am delighted. Thank you for having me here, Guilda. Uh,
2: well, let's start out with why. What do you consider? Why do you consider yourself a Green Witch?
3: Ah, okay. Um, well, I consider myself a green witch because um, I, I guess I've always been a witch, and uh, I see a witch as one who is attuned to the interconnectedness of all of life and knows that there is a, a thread of um, spirit that animates everything on the planet, including the things that are not usually thought of as alive in our contemporary world and then a green witch was something i came to um a bit later even after my initial spiritual studies um and the green brings in the um the love of nature and a particular affinity even for working with Allying with the plants, the trees, the seaweeds, the you know all of the the green allies that are that grace our earth and that we're here before we were, so that's why I call myself a green witch because it's it's about the most fitting um, distillation I can come up with for uh, you know my multifaceted personality and interests because like everyone else. You know, I'm made up of many, many different, um, you know, kind of parts and components. And sometimes I jokingly call myself, jokingly, but, you know, with that that bit of truth in it, you know, an an indigenous green witch with a Buddhist bent. (laughs) (laughs) So
2: is being a witch something one's born into, or do you have to study to become one? How does that work?
3: I kind of have the sense that, um, and not to leave the guys out, but I kind of have the sense that all women are actually witches. Um, and i I do think though there is also a an aspect of being born into it. I was a witch for a very long time before I learned that I had a physical um lineage of this um through my mother's side. I had no idea. I mean, I always knew my mother was kind of different and she was very intuitive, you know psychic. Um, but she didn't know and I didn't know, but I, I managed to find out through hooking up with a very elder relative before they passed. Um, but, and then there is the learning, you know, but, but learning is part of any tradition, you know, learning and practice. But I, I think that the intrinsic um, way of being in the world is not something that requires study.
2: So what's what's the difference between, say, for instance, somebody that's shamanically gifted or a witch or someone that's just intuitive?
3: Oh, okay. Well, you know, Guilda, I think that absolutely everything in life is really a story. So I know this is a bit broad of an answer, and I can deepen or expound on it if you would like me to, but I would say the difference is which story one resonates with, which which story one is attracted to. And so I find a lot of similarities between um, shamanism and witchcraft, Um, but they're very different stories, uh, or not so very different, but they're different, and different tools and different props and different things to play with. But the essential, I mean, the, the essential um quality of all shamanic traditions that as you said in that really wonderful um opening um opening that you gave to your show today um is one it, it's this belief no it's not a belief it's so far past a belief it's the knowing and the experiential living of this connectedness of all life and of course, so leads us yeah go ahead
2: so, so basically all of them deal with the quantum level of life, the invisible level of life.
3: I think so. Yeah, and I think so. so.
2: So what led you as a magical practitioner to lecture at numerous schools of medicine?
3: Well, um, you know, it's funny. When they first started calling me for such things, I was absolutely certain they had the wrong number. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling, yes. I was like, really? You want, you want me? Um, you know, I, I make no pretense about you know not about being magical, and I use the word witch, and I'm I'm really you know I'm out there in the world as a green witch, and they'd be like, yes, yes, we, we meant to call you. Um, so I think that you know there is enormous um, succor and sustenance and delight and joy in gathering with our tribe, and then there is also the importance of. Um, reaching out beyond our tribes and reaching out into, you know, if people don't know that there are um, alternative roads to walk, then it's very hard to walk them. And so I see that one of my jobs, not necessarily my only, but one of my jobs is to speak into the um, kind of wider world about the reality of magic and how it shifts and changes your life in, a, in both a joyful way and in an encouraging way um, so that you can look the problems, the challenges, the, the incredible insanities um, that are going on in our world. You can look them directly in the eye, so to speak, and yet you have um, alternatives. You have alternatives to the despair that otherwise... Um, I mean, despair will arise, right? If we look at poisoning a river, despair will arise if we are feeling beings. But we don't want to live there. And so what I find is, and and I guess I went kind of a field of your question, but, you know, I go into hospitals, and here's like my favorite, favorite uh, thing anybody ever said to me after lecturing in a medical school. Um, He said, you reminded me why I wanted to be a doctor in the first place. I had completely lost that.
2: Mm hmm. Got it. So yeah. this brings us to what is magic?
3: Ah, uh, so there's many fine and fun definitions of magic. To me, magic is, and I wrote this in in um, healing magic. Magic is the extraordinary reality that weaves through every every molecule, every aspect of what we call ordinary reality or the mundane world. And and for me, Gwelda, magic and spirit um, are interchangeable. They're interchangeable words. I just like okay. magic because it's fun.
2: So what would you, what would you how would you define spirit in that context?
3: You well, know, spirit is the extraordinary reality that animates everything. You know, from from the stone to the molecules in your chair that you're sitting on, to the mountain, to the trees. It's the con- spirit is consciousness. And magic is is, hmm, is like the consciousness of that animating force.
2: Do you see it as um, interactive? So magic is where you can interact with that force?
3: Well, magic simply is. And as we interact with it, life gets way more juicy.
2: That's well put. (laughs) Uh,
3: So how is what you're
2: offering received by the medical community?
3: Wonderfully. Wonderfully. It's like there is this hunger. I I think there is a hunger for truth in in all realms of our world right now. And so I had no idea how I would be received. And I, you know, when I first started doing that, and I decided to go in as myself, you know, and do it how I do it, not try to be um, more acceptable, less threatening, you know, whatever. And uh, so I came in and I sang my Earth Connection songs and we hung herbs up in the, in the big auditorium where the professors and the medical students were sitting, which, by the way, someone told me like five years later they were still hanging. They were still (laughs) on the walls (laughs) at Brown University, which I just loved, Um, influencing everybody. Um, So yeah, really well, well well-received, because here's what I've learned, and this is true across so many levels, is when you are or when I am ambivalent about what we're presenting or saying or asking for or thinking, we get ambivalent results. And when we are clear and committed and we know what we're dedicated to, um, the results tend to be clear.
2: You get out of a thing what you put into it, right? So can you speak to the science behind witchcraft and magic?
3: Well, um, let me give it a try. Okay. My, my perception is that science is always kind of running behind us trying to catch up with how to explain what we know is true. And I think science is doing a pretty great job, um, you know, through physics and quantum physics. So there is this, you know, there is this reality that you, um, you know, cannot perceive something without it being affected by the perceiver you know by whatever i have in my head about what i'm perceiving. So science is now showing us that science is showing us that we can change even our genetic uh probabilities with our minds, with our hearts, with our, you know, with our inner work. I mean as well as with our food and our, you know, our herbs and our practices. Um so that's how i see, you know, almost like how how you know neuroscience recently, fairly recently, came out with this marvelous statement that they discovered that people learn things best when they're put in a story.
2: Like, mm-hmm. Right. Oh,
3: well, adorable. Yeah, we could have told you that.
2: <laughs> been using that a long time, right?
3: Right. Yeah, I've been doing that a long time. Or, or they'll do studies of things like. So, I like science when it is um, when it helps. Um, see, I myself don't personally. So this is something I really have to, like, w- make peace with in my teaching or figure out how to, how to do this or have had to figure out how to do this. I don't need a scientific um, proof or basis uh, or um, – trying to think what's that word. But, you know, I don't need an explanation from science about how something works. I'm happy if it works, then I'm, I'm like kind of going with that. I'm happy with that. But I do understand that many people, especially contemporary people, do need that. They absolutely need that. So I'll, I'll pepper in enough science and enough, like when I go to the, you know, if I'm in a hospital or a clinic or a teaching center, something like that, you know, a, a medical, I'll throw in a few more five-syllable words. I won't say I don't do anything different. You know, just because that helps people, you know, feel like you know what you're talking about. whether it Well, you really got be- to speak
2: the language, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. bit, you do. Yeah. I mean, it's helpful. Well, we're like- we're going to
2: have to take a commercial break. <laughs> so, Robin and I will, return to, we will we'll return to our discussion on the other side of this break, so don't go away. We're coming to you through the Zone Broadcast Network. Don't miss the other fine shows and hosts on xzbn.net. You're listening to The Science of Magic. Your resource for creative solutions in a changing world, the
1: this product is a real winner to learn more about one two three ready tv visit our website at www.xzbn.net
0: this is the exxon broadcast network broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers including cnn broadcast network Sirius satellite network star media good news radio network
2: Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. We cover what's hot for in-depth exploration of leading-edge subjects from numerous authorities and viewpoints. Join our email family to receive our topic-driven episode collections at thescienceofmagic.net. Our guest this hour is Robin Rose Bennett, Author of Healing Magic, a Green Witch's Guidebook to Conscious Living, and The Gift of Healing Herbs, Plant Medicines, and Home Remedies for a Vibrant, Healthy Life. Robin, let's talk a little bit about ritual. What's the purpose of ritual?
3: Mm. Ritual is so important, and it's something that I do see coming back into our um, into our world at this time. Um, so. When I first met Ritual, was introduced to Ritual as part of my magical education, I sort of said, like, well, why why would we do that? What's what's the point? And I was intrigued when I was told that Ritual offered a way to enact and to affect how things come into being. So Ritual gives us, and we all know the um, dreariness of you know, boring ritual of meaningless ritual of empty ritual. So, I, I think what we're bringing in now are meaningful rituals that help us to creatively participate in um, the cycles and the seasons. So, there's different kinds of rituals. There's the rituals that, say, like we, um, you know, have for the rebirthing that happens at spring equinox or. Um, you know, like that kind of a ritual that honors the cycles, the seasons, the moon rituals, which I've been very deeply um, practicing for 30 years and plus now, and teaching. Um, but then there's also the rituals that are can be done for a purpose um, rather than to mark, you know, a natural cycle. And and what real ritual should always do. Um, and I know, I barely ever use the word should so. What I like to see Real Ritual do is to stimulate an altered state of consciousness in the participants um, so that everyone kind of links in to that uh, energetic reality that is behind the events that make up our lives. You know, I see... Go ahead.
2: (laughs) I see um, two sides... To ritual, I'd like to discuss here. One is there's the ancient ancient rituals that have been around forever, like you were speaking about, the ones that bring in the seasons, et cetera, et cetera, and help us align with life in, in its current form. There's other rituals that are used for societies for naming and this and that and the next thing. And ritual has a basic formula that might vary a little from culture to culture, but not a whole bunch. On the other hand, we don't want to get dogmatic, we want living ritual uh yes. but how do you balance that with the tendency i see in the new age society community to take a little from here a little from there and go off half-cocked
3: mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well yeah that's a that's a great you know a, a great point and concern and i think it has to do with you know how rooted in the earth you are i i think it's really important um to you know, to have that, it's like I do know people who've done ritual for years and years, who really and calling in the mountains and the trees, and who really don't spend any time outside. So I think we need to um, anchor in place. We need to anchor in the place that we live, in the place that we know. And I say this as somebody who, you know, really was for my first ten years as a public green witch, um, lived on the beautiful island of Manhattan. So it's not that you need to live in the woods um, because the earth is everywhere. Um, so, so that's one piece. Um, and yeah, the one from column A, one from column B. I don't find that works well in healing either. You know, when I see people who come for like an herbal consultation and they're trying to do a little bit of everything,
0: mm-hmm. not yeah, really
3: shotgun effect to anyone. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't work as well.
2: Right. So, um, so the. The principles, are there some basic principles that you can follow when you're creating ritual for the present moment?
3: Uh, yes, yes. It's, it's you know, ritual all over the world is done in a sacred circle. And that is a basic, basic concept. It's like putting, it's like if you're cooking soup, you can't take all your all your vegetables and your beans and your this and that and just throw them on the fire. You have to have a pot to put them in. Mm-hmm. So the circle is the pot, if you will. And the thing that I see, um, one one of the things I look for, Gwilda, is I look for things that are common wherever in the world you go.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly, And so one yeah. of the things
3: that, yeah, so that's how I feel um, something, that's how I kind of gauge its reality as opposed to it being New Age woo-woo.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of that.
3: <laughs> and there's a lot of that, of course there is. But, you know, we also need to be compassionate and patient patient uh, with ourselves and others. I say that, you know, because we all teach what we most need to learn, um, <laughs> you know, uh, in terms of that there's steps into coming into your real authentic empowerment. Um, and, and so, uh, let's see, you know, where was, oh, the circle. So when I look around the world, or I've had the good fortune to sit with uh, shamans from here, there, and everywhere, you know, from Africa to South America to the Arctic Circle, everyone calls in the elements and everyone calls in the directions. Mm-hmm. So even in my herbal um, t- teaching that I do in my, in my long-term, my apprenticeship program, working with the elements is a very primary piece of the, you know, of the learning, of the teaching, because I feel like especially now in this very pivotal, evolutionary, dangerous, exciting time that we are here for, in terms of transformation of, of how we're living on the planet, um, these elements literally become resources. They literally become resources. So the just for example, the clarity of air, the passion of fire, the exploratory or fluid nature of water, and the manifesting or womanifesting energy of earth. These become energies that can add, that are bigger than our personal expression of those energies and can add to our personal expression like i always feel like we're calling the largest part of ourselves when we call a circle and and you know there too the circle is already there it's always there but we call it to help ourselves remember and to help ourselves feel that we've created a sacred space in which to enact a ritual
2: that's a good of way of putting form. it It's a, a form of remembering because the elements are within us as well as without of us. But the exactly. elements within us, when they become imbalanced, then we become imbalanced. But the balance is still available if you take the time to reconnect, remember the expression that's always there on the planet.
3: Yes, yes. And also there are seven directions for most people in most places. So we have the four the air, the fire, the water, and the earth, we also have below, above, and the center, which Mm -hmm. are essential because that's how the circle doesn't become um, staid or uh, fixed or um, trite or or, um, limiting. It's how the circle becomes a spiral and moves through time. And so that below is, I mean, there's so many ways you can stories you can write about the associations for me below is akin to within us and it is also akin to the ancestors and above is akin to when we kind of lift up and out of ourselves and we kind of fly overhead and look down and we witness you know the drama of it all but from an expanded perspective Mm -hmm. and so above is also the future generations so I like gotcha. to call in both the wisdom of, of those who've been here before and those who are yet to come.
2: Yeah, the and ancestors ascensions. and descendants, yeah.
3: Exactly. Yeah, you know, what, and, and that helps us remember that we, too, will be the ancestors.
2: I, I'm, I feel more ancestral lately than I have in the past, but yeah, I get you. <laughs> are you saying
3: because of, of becoming elder? Yeah. Yeah, so I, hear the, I hear you. I hear you.
2: What's the difference between ritual and ceremony?
3: To me, a ceremony is about usually about a um, a person or people that everyone is focused on. Whether it's like say a wedding ceremony or a naming or a funeral um, or a divorce ceremony for that matter, but the ritual is for everyone.
2: Okay, so ritual the ceremony is about
3: everyone and for everyone, and everyone is participating actively.
2: Okay, so ceremony is uh, ritual is used in ceremony, but ceremony isn't always in ritual. Is that?
3: Oh yeah, I think they are actually both always. You know, a little there's a little bit of each in each. Um. Yeah, yeah, I think there's often ritual and ceremony. Like if you have a Jewish wedding and you have a huppah. That's mm-hmm. a ritual. That's that's in your ceremony,
2: right? Right. right. But Very it's still, nice.
3: it's not like I am. To me, I guess the biggest difference would be, I and I now I know people do this different ways. But but how I like to see it and how I like to do it, ritual doesn't have an audience. Ceremony has an audience. Ritual so ceremony is
2: working at, with with group agreement.
3: Well, ritual, if it's a group ritual, has to work with group agreement, too. Mm-hmm. So I'd say they have that in common. But ritual is, is more participatory. Um, I sometimes like to play, I play a lot with words. I like to play with ritual as rich-you-all.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay,
3: <got laughs> Ritual, the practice of ritual makes you rich, y'all. Um, so uh, am, I, am I anywhere near... Uh, answering your question, in,
2: well, it's, uh, it's a, a sad, it's a very it's it's a very uh, nebulous kind of difference. It's very difficult uh, to describe. I think. Um,
3: well, if, so, if, it, let's say if you were if you were um, having a crone's crowning, you were having a rite of passage ceremony. Um, you could have a ceremony or a ritual, and if you mm-hmm. had, and maybe it is just nebulous and doesn't really matter. But but because you asked, I I really am trying to um, uh, address it. The ceremony would be if you had all of us, all your friends there, and we were witnessing, like maybe a priestess was you know, saying things about you and this thing and that thing and this thing and that thing, and at the end we all celebrate you and we you know, have our, have our uh, feast thereafter. Whereas if we were doing it, if you wanted it as a ritual, you would weave all of us into the ceremony. All of us would be part of, the, um, of you owning your power as a crone
2: rather than being just witnesses. As a exactly. culture, we as a culture we seem to have gotten away from ceremony and ritual. Do you see that as detrimental, and if so, why?
3: Oh, it's absolutely detrimental, um, but I also understand why it's happened. It's happened because our rituals have lost their meaning and because I think we're at a stage in evolution where we don't want to go through an intermediary to the divine. And so the great gift, one of the many great gifts of ritual is that each person does reconnect or has that opportunity. Um, the atmosphere is set for them to have the opportunity to experience their own connection with the divine. And then that changes your life.
2: Yeah, that is life is life-altering, isn't it? It's life-altering. Yes. We're, we're going to have to take a break here in just a little bit. But when we get back, I'd like to talk about... What's happened to ritual and ceremony, why we've gotten away, and how we can reconnect in a good way to help the times that are coming. So Robin and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is the Science of Magic, thescienceofmagic.net, your resource to altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric working to create common ground for the betterment of our world. We're in this together. Your thoughts are important. If you have any comments or topics of interest to suggest please email me at info at the of magic.net love to get your emails and I'll definitely return them. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. What's up in your world? Email me at info at net and suggest a topic that's on your mind. You're probably not the only one interested. Our guest this hour is Robin Rose Bennett, author of Healing Magic, a Green Witch Guidebook to Conscious Living and The Gift of Healing Herbs, Plant Medicines and Home Remedies for a Vibrant, Healthy Life. Robin, we were talking about how we can, you know, why we've gotten away from ritual historically and how we can reconnect in a way that supports our evolution at this time.
3: Mm-hmm. So if we can reconnect through our rituals, it, it what what we're inviting in is a reconnection with bringing the sacred into every day. We're inviting in reconnection with community, and not just, not solely the community of humans, uh, but the community of, of all beings. Um, as you said somewhere in the introduction, you know, they're there, they're, they're, they're standing by. I'm not sure if that was your exact words, but they're standing by. There's a, um, a community of life that is in support of life, and when we do ritual, we tune into that. So um, Judy Gran wrote in Blood, Bread, and Roses that, and I'm quoting here, ritual from the Sanskrit ritu, r apostrophe *tu* means menstrual and sacred. Ritu means any act of magic toward a purpose. Ritu is found in the words arithmetic and rhythm. It is present in the words art and theater. Um, in Polynesian, their, their word for ritual tapua also means menstrual and sacred, and it became taboo in English. so I think there is also an element of the in the disempowerment of the female energy um, that also went with the uh, you know the losing the loss of the power of ritual in our culture and you know, in doing ritual, it doesn't have to be all solemn and, uh, you know, doesn't have to be all solemn and somber. Um, our rituals, when they include dancing and singing and having fun and celebrating our diversity, uh, can help us learn how to walk in a good way together. You know, help us learn which questions we're, we're living. And we are certainly living the questions right now in this tipping point time that we're in. So in a way, I see ritual as one of our primary tools for turning the poison of this time into the potion, into the healing potion, and it's one of the ways that I also see how we're taking the, um, the intensity and the hugeness of the challenges of our time and how they are catalyzing us. They're waking people up, and we can't do uh, all our healing work with our logical minds. It simply doesn't work. And ritual reaches into that inner, wise, child, ancient self that lives in all of us. Um, it, seems like,
2: it seems like they were overtaken and kind of used to control people at some point along the line. Do you see that?
3: Uh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, only I can tell you what God is saying.
2: <laughs> exactly. A little dogmatic, yeah, that, and right? If
3: you, and if you don't follow the rules, you know, you're in deep, deep, deep trouble.
2: And, of course, I make the rules because I'm the one that can tell you what God is saying.
3: Exactly. And so that's what, you know, that's what people have rebelled against and good for people.
2: Yeah, exactly.
3: You know, we, we want ritual, you know, ritual at its best is bringing liberating creative blessings. You know, everything now, I think, needs to be about liberating the autonomy of each person so that they're encouraged to be who they really are. Because when you are, and I know you know this, when you are who you really are, what you need to do to contribute to the whole, first of all, the fact that you'll want to contribute to the whole is automatic. It just comes with the package. And secondly, what to do to contribute, the more that you are being true to who you are becomes obvious. It's like as obvious as that you need to exhale after you inhale.
2: It's amazing, isn't it? It's it's amazing, isn't it? It's like in order to reunite with the whole, we have to become the true individual that we are.
3: Exactly. And, and the thing that is so important for people to get to is that oneness does not erase uniqueness. We're all like unique spokes on all these wheels to keep things turning, and we need all the unique. It's what makes us, you know, a world culture. It's what makes things fun. It's
2: like we're each this individual uh, piece in a jigsaw puzzle, but the picture isn't complete without each different piece.
3: Yeah, we need everybody's gifts. So we are each complete, and yet we really only exist in relation to (laughs) one another and to everything else. And the trees and the plants have never forgotten this relationship we've forgotten. So what I find is when I help a student to just quiet their mind and listen, they hear they hear the trees talking to them they hear the plants they hear the stones and it is an enormous um, healing for this deep loneliness that people feel and mm. ritual too can be a healing for this deep sense of isolation alienation loneliness and we're being encouraged from the top so to speak you know from the powers that be to not care about one another and You know, I think what we're talking about here and what you're doing this work is, it's about, yes, I'll care about myself, but but through coming to know who I really am and then knowing who I am, I'm free to kind of overflow my love and caring to you as who you are.
2: You know, you speak of conscious living. Would you define what you mean by that?
3: Well, conscious living is living with the awareness, literally like the moment-to-moment awareness, that who I am and who you are is part of the same life force. And so what I do to you, I do to me. What I do for you, I do for me.
2: What 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 does witchcraft and magic have to do with conscious living?
3: well i mean magic is a in witchcraft is a chosen way of uh engaging with the consciousness of the earth right of the um of of, of one another of, of this incredible intelligence that is at work um, in everything that makes up our planet it, uh, and it, so you... magic is a, is a way of, of working with the energy it requires, um, well, here, let me read you a quick little thing from my book. To live magically, to work with energy, you have to rekindle, rekindle your senses, your instincts. To practice magic, to consciously engage in co-creation with nature, you have to remember how to see in the dark. Mm. Women lead here. Women remember this art. We embody it in our ovaries and in our wombs. Um, So we are of the earth, and magic is inherent in our creative processes.
2: You know, as I I expressed in the intro, we as humans have gotten ourselves into quite the pickle. (laughs) How how do you see witchcraft and magic helping us find solutions for this?
3: Ah, Well, I don't think that we humans have all the answers. I think the bears and the wolves and the, and the coyotes and the eagles and the wrens and the chickadees, and I think there's a lot of answers that we need to receive from nature. And so witchcraft and magic um, connecting us more to be able to be quiet and less arrogant and listen to the wisdom of nature, to observe and interact with and through our, you know, plantings and our gardens and this and that as well. Um, this is part of what we'll, um, you know, and, and we, and as we approach it with, you said asking, and I scribbled down wonder. You know, as we wonder, how can you help us to live life in a good way? How can you help us to uh, protect you, to protect the ocean, to protect the water? Um, again, it's like indigenous wisdom. It's very akin um, to magical wisdom. I heard a word, I don't know... Uh, you know, who who created its wonderful word, indigenuity. Hmm. Um, you know, if we look at what's happened at Standing Rock, uh, where the protesters renamed themselves protectors
0: mm-hmm. and
3: insisted that that was the story, not the one that the, the major press was writing, and insisted again and again, and drew to them people from all over the planet, indigenous and otherwise. Um, this has set a new template in a way, this has set a new template, in a way, for people power, for the magic of the gathering. And there was magic throughout. You know, Standing Rock. There was ceremony. There was circle. There was, you know, and maybe it's even the ceremony I would call ritual. Um, there was smudging. There was calling the directions. There was honoring. So I think it is this. I think ultimately, when we look back on this time we're in, what has happened there, and what is now spiraling forth from that. Is ultimately going to be even more affecting um, the changes that happen in the world than the current, you know, political morass and mess and corruption and the, 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 that we're in. I really do, and I've been honestly seeing for decades now that amidst this deathing time that we're in, and I don't minimize it, there is a lot going down. Um, right under the surface in the dark where witches work and where witchcraft is practiced and so forth meaning in the mystery in the unknown in reveling in that mystery not needing to solve it there's an enormous labor going on and this labor is birthing, birthing we're going old we're,
2: time flies old and we Time flies and we're out of it, but that's a beautiful note to end on, in birth. Our guest this hour has been Robin Rose Bennett, author of Healing Magic, A Green Witch Guidebook to Conscious Living, and The Gift of Healing Herbs, Plant Medicines, and Home Remedies for a Vibrant, Healthy Life. Her website, RobinRoseBennett.com. This has been The Science of Magic. Love to hear from you. Comments, questions, or suggestions, email me at info at Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love, as you re-enter the
3: Forgotten Circle.